0: followed up with Jason saying, I am Batman.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Assassin's Creed porn, I'm Batman. <laughs> you know, it's just a complete mess of a fucking beginning of a show. We're 20 minutes in now, we haven't even talked about under the street. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen.
2: We are tonight's entertainment. good. Yes! I know who I am! Did IQs
1: just. I could have known I have a I like that this shit. bro? It, it, it is your Me Welcome to the Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast. the Hello and welcome to the Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast with Jason and Lee. I'm Jason. I'm Lee. And this week chose to avoid Ghost in the Shell so we could talk about Under the Skin.
0: Well, speak for yourself. Some of us chose to chose to avoid it entirely and some of us chose to watch it and not speak about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, well, I mean, to be honest, I had no interest in seeing the film first and foremost, and it was budget, man. I decided to buy the Rogue One Blu-ray instead. <laughs> of course. But as I said, we were going to be discussing under the skin we're not going to be alone i have one of smartest women i know and i have the pleasure of knowing uh, she's a really good friend of mine and she's con- currently completing her doctoral thesis in science fiction and cyborg theory please say hello to carrie lynn
2: hello thanks for having me
1: yep this is going to be great i'm so happy because we've been talking about doing this one for a long time
2: yes we have actually yep
1: Alright, so tell us a little bit about yourself. I don't know if many people know who you are, but we want to get to know you a little bit better.
2: Uh, well, if anybody caught the few episodes of Film Faculty, I was yep. there as well. Um, but yes, as Jason mentioned, I am a uh, PhD student at Université Laval here in Quebec City, and my focus is on science fiction. So I love all things science fiction, mostly because I just used to sit on my dad's knee when I was a very small girl and watch science fiction movies with him. So um, So I've taken that interest uh, professional. So so yeah, so stuff like this is just awesome because we can take our highbrow theory and apply it to fun movies that we all enjoy (laughs) and uh depends on your divine
0: highbrow it
2: (laughs) really does
0: (laughs) it's so weird this is like this is like one of those like weird fan moments for me getting to actually be on the show with carrie lynn it's so weird like really yeah because like before like me and jason started the show jason when he was kind of coming up with the idea of doing Atlantic Screen Connection, he had asked me to listen to uh, real table talks and you were doing an yeah, right. episode on like favorite films or whatever it was. And and you were a part of the conversation. There's like this constant like back and forth with like this highbrow intellectual conversation about films I'd never fucking heard of. <laughs> it's been like <laughs> four people, and I've just gone like these guys are so cool. The initial idea, at least when before the show really became just me and Jason, was that it was kind of going to be like me. I was going to be oh. on real table talk every now and then or something like that. Oh great! Uh, before okay. the show really fought, like distilled into something else. Uh, and I was like, "Oh, that's so cool!" Because I'll get to talk to people like Carrie, and she's like, she's got all fucking oh, weird films under so her belt sweet. like I've never even heard of. <laughs> so uh, it's it's a it's a super weird fan moment for me, I suppose. I like it's really cool to be here to see it all happen now, nearly a year later.
2: <laughs> well, I really hope to be able to continue to be a guest from time to time. So. <laughs>
1: Of course. No, this is this is breaking the ice right now because the thing is is that Alien Covenant is going to be coming out, and I'm positive you're
2: I am waiting. I am excited. I am going. There you go.
1: And so because we actually did the Alien show together, I was thinking that it'd be great to have you back on to come talk alien with us. So there. So so there. I think that would be a really fun one. Super cool. Good. Great idea. So we'll keep we'll keep the science fiction bubble there. And eventually We'll take you out of your element and get you to do a romantic comedy with
2: us. <gasps> romantic comedy? <laughs> oh, no. no.
0: <laughs> That's like taking us out of our element. I don't know what she does. She's probably better off there than we are.
2: I don't know, man. I'll just be like, what the fuck? These people are kissing and talking about stuff.
0: <laughs> It'll be completely like alien to you.
2: <laughs> It'll be my alienating experience,
0: yes. There you go.
2: All right.
1: So, other than that, Lee, how you been, man?
0: I, I'm fine. Oh, I... Um... I'm like things are really ramping up towards the, the wedding thing. I don't know if I actually ever really talk about the the wedding. Whose the, wedding? The wedding? Your wedding? My yeah, wedding. He's getting yeah. married.
1: Someone oh. has chosen to <laughs> this as a person.
2: <laughs> Congratulations.
0: Thank you. There's uh there's so much it's 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 next month and uh it's it's oh. getting there and finally this like weekend I I got my ring and all, you know. So I mean it's kind of all happening, and it's like this last week, we even have because my uncle's officiating it. We had a discussion, sit down discussion with him the other night. We had given him a bunch of things to say, like we copied off the internet, and um, it uh, <laughs> he just like took, came over to our apartment, sat down, and just, just like you have to take out all of this. <laughs> like, like, there's no way any human being could read this. There's no way in hell you would say this. There's no way in hell I'm gonna say this. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> Your family's got to be there. This is what you want to tell them. You can get a priest for that. <laughs> uh, oh, so, okay. So uh, it, it was really good. And now it's all starting to feel more real to me. So, like, my my week, it's been stressful at work, but there's been, like, images of the wedding all coming together. And it's starting to. And after that, I've got a long honeymoon to look forward to. And I Oh,
2: that's nice. I'm
0: so desperate for time off. It's ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, that's been my week, like, a fantasy world, <laughs> basically. <laughs> How about you, Jason?
1: Uh, I've chosen not to talk about work this week because I want to spare everyone. Situation is the same.
0: Find out in the next, next segment. We'll find out how your work's getting on.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, I'll save that for the next segment. I give me more to talk about. Uh, other than that, now I'm just gearing up. There's a race in China, Formula One, uh, this weekend. So by the time you guys hear this, uh, the show will already be out and you'll know what the winner is. I'm predicting, fuck that. I'm not predicting anything. I just want a good race. Um... <laughs> Yeah, other than that, I, I watched a bunch of movies this week, and I, one of the good movies I saw that I can mention here is Fences. I finally got around to watching Fences. Oh, yeah.
0: It is quite good, isn't it?
1: It's really good. I I, I was looking through it because Leslie and I were looking for something to watch, and we were uh, thinking there was hidden figures that I hadn't seen yet, Fences, and there was uh, another one, that, oh, Patriot's Day. Right, right. So I, sh- I saw Mark Wahlberg's dumb face, and I figured, <laughs> fuck that. And Leslie was like, thank you, I love you, which is good. <laughs> And then we looked at Hidden Figures and we were like, oh, well, let's check out Fences and Fences. Listen, Viola Davis, we were just kind of enthralled by her in the trailer. So we were like, fuck it, we'll just watch this. And so I went on iTunes to rent it. The rental was $5.99 and the purchase was $9.99. So you just bought it? And so I I bought Fences.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense.
1: (laughs) And uh, yeah, it was a tough watch, uh, but it's one that I can recommend. And I'm looking forward to talking to on our next recording, uh, talking about, sorry, because it's, um, I think it's an important film. It's a film that's very much relatable. Uh, yeah. Depending on what kind of upbringing you have. Uh, but um, I think that the role of legacy plays largely into Huge that. Huge into And it. um, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful film. The mm-hmm. performances are absolutely stellar. So if ever you guys have two hours and roughly 10 minutes uh, of your time that you want to spend watching Denzel Washington
0: gloat. Being otherwise detestable prick, then yeah, you can watch
1: films. Exactly. Yeah. That's where I had trouble with that. I was like, what the fuck?
0: I, no, I, I genuinely really love the film, but I, I look forward to talking to, uh, to you about it. Cause like I, nobody else I know has really seen it. So like, I just had all this information in a bubble. That's good. I, I look forward to that.
1: <laughs> all right, cool. Moving back towards Ghost in the Shell, I, like I said, I wasn't interested in seeing it. I wanted to take a Scarlett Johansson film that had a meaning for me. Yeah. When I, I suggested Under the Skin, which was months ago to Carrie, she was on board immediately. Lee and I had talked about doing it as well. And it was a film that we thought that, you know, a lot of ink has been spilled on the film. There's been a lot of research, but we hadn't necessarily discussed it yet. And I think that, If we're going to be looking at the concept of what human is, I don't think Ghost in the Shell, the 2017 version, was going to do a good job the way that the 1995 anime would. So we decided to steer clear of that and do Under the Skin instead. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to plug in the trailer for Under the Skin, and we'll be back after this. Stay tuned.
0: City of stars, are you shining just for me? If you know that song, you know that's from Lala La Land. And that is one of the movies we will be covering on the Get Real Movies podcast. You guys can check us out on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And if you want some more great singing, tune in to Mason and I, the two youngest podcasters in the movie podcasting world. Thanks a lot. Hey guys, this is JD from the Incession Film Podcast. Every week on our show, you can join my co-host Brendan and I as we review the latest films that's out in theaters. It also inspires us to discuss a top three list of some sort, and we have a lot of other fun movie discussions as well. It's always a blast, and we also have a show on Fridays called our Extra Film Podcast. This is a show that gives us the space to talk about the latest indies and art films and other classics that we normally just don't get to talk about on our main show. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher
1: Radio, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, Player FM, and more. In fact, you can just see
0: everything about us, including our social medias at IncessionFilm.com. So join us every week. We'd absolutely love to have you.
1: last time you touched someone. Hey,
0: you don't want to wake up, do you?
1: Welcome back. And we are going to be discussing, as I said, Under the Skin, the film that was released in 2013 it stars Scarlett Johansson, Guy on a Motorcycle, Innocent Bystanders in the Streets of Glasgow, and is directed by the wonderful Jonathan Glazer, guy who actually directed a film i think was it 10 years between something films? like I think that he directed wasn't it? birth with nicole kidman back in like 2004 the and
0: only so- like the only thing i actually know him for is um street spirit fade out by Radiohead.
1: <laughs> jesus that's huh. right that was him man yeah, oh, that, yeah like that was a
0: that's that's a music video that my parents always said like this looked like magic to them in the 90s they were like how did they do this they always said that so like to yeah, find yeah. That, like when looking backwards to find that this was the same guy, it was just like a weird connection there that I just had no idea wow. was ever going to come back. So, thought that was super cool. <laughs>
1: oh, it's absolutely great. Yeah, he's a, he's a fantastic director. I mean, I liked Birth. A lot of people don't particularly like that one, uh, but I thought it was good. But now with Under the Skin, he's clearly going into a fun, experimental, and very cerebral direction. Yeah, and I think it's it's, it's really effective. Yeah, exactly effective, but also affective. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. So let's launch into this. I think I'm going to throw it over to Carrie. We're going to work on first impressions, what we thought of the film the first time we watched it. And maybe I think most of us have actually watched it at least two or three times now and maybe delve into a little bit what we, we did on our, our second viewing our third viewing or whatever. So Carrie, first impressions on Under the Skin when you sat down to watch it the first time.
2: Uh I'm always excited to watch a sci-fi movie because there's never enough for me, and uh, I always begin with my fingers crossed that it's going to be really good because so many of them are um, mediocre. So when you get a real gem, um, it's really exciting, and you can tell it's going to be different right from the beginning. So yeah, I was quite excited. I watched it alone. My boyfriend's in the military, so it was he was you know on deployment somewhere, and I uh, I watch movies alone frequently. So. I didn't know what to expect, but I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I found it really cerebral. And so when I went to watch it a second time for this uh, podcast, I realized I was really apprehensive and kind of scared in anticipation of the weirder scenes, like more so than I should have been probably. But yeah. it was a really neat feeling of anticipation. And it I think it really was creepier than I remembered the first the first time I was just like oh yay it's a good science fiction I'm happy and the second time I, I was more creeped out I was paying to the attention to the details a lot more but it really just it is a really well done movie it's an excellent narrative uh,
0: would you say it's something that like that like festers in your imagination kind of like would that be why it was so apprehensive i was just trying to understand like why why on a second viewing this would start to start to become something more akin to fear you know
2: (laughs) yeah i that's a good question to be honest i'm really not sure i I knew about the dark scenes that were coming and i couldn't remember how much violence or atmosphere there was in each scene Mm. and I don't know. It, w- But it's kind of weird to be more afraid of a movie the second time, right? So Yeah,
0: definitely. But cool. Cool. How about you, Lee? Uh, yeah. So I actually, when, when I first saw this was in cinema, uh, Maria, she was working in Bristol. And uh, so I, I flew out to, to, she was only, she was there for a month or two. And I flew out to see her for a weekend. And um, we went to we went to a cinema, like a wee indie cinema in the town. They had a bar and everything. And uh, they were playing two films and uh, it was either the uh, grand budapest hotel or oh. under the skin uh, so obviously i i had no idea what under the skin was uh, but they had this little the, the, um, in the cinema they had this little uh, like corkboard where people left reviews uh, with photos like on the back of the film that they saw they left little reviews on the corkboard cool on the way up yeah it's it was super cool and like the wall was just covered in like holy shit under the Skin was incredible, more so than there was for Grand Budapest Hotel, which was doing much better, you know, huh. and I mean, like, I fucking loved Grand Budapest Hotel, but I, like the seed had been planted, though, you know, like, oh, I need to see that at some point, but like, I never got around to it until I was in London, uh, just uh, over New Year's, I took a couple of films with me that I sort of knew that we would probably get around to talking about, you know, a couple of film um, Vill- films films and uh uh some nolan stuff i hadn't seen and then uh under the skin and uh, this one like affected me immediately i fucking loved it I, I, as i use it you said carrie you watch films you watch this alone so did i <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, um, on both occasions I, I just was immediately taken by it's just like this guy it, it, it is working on on a level that i love to see it's just quiet understated imagery mostly uh so mm-hmm. i, I I, I love when a film takes that kind of stride to just tell a story in a, in an interesting way, and it and there was a lot of weird techniques that I hadn't really seen specifically with like the hidden camera stuff. It was very very local feeling, you know, very low budget and. For very particular scenes. And I thought that was just super cool. And then I watched it again this week. And it's it's weird. Because when I was watching it. uh, So much of it was so recognisable immediately. That I almost really didn't have to watch it. I was only there for like specific details. Because it was really vividly in my head. Like... I knew exactly how the conversations played out and the turn of events, and I just wanted to see like little tiny twists here and there because I had these ideas, like these readings of the films that I want to get into later, and I wanted to see if they kind of added up when I when I watched it back, you know, if 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 the dots connected, uh, and it for the most part I think it kind of did, uh, but it was great seeing that. There was so much more in the details that I had missed the first time. I was really excited to talk about it. And I'm glad we, we've got the opportunity ahead of us.
1: <laughs> cool. If ever I get a chance to see this on the big screen, I'm going to take it. I'm going to go and I'm going to spend money on, on that. Because the first thing that got me interested in the film was the poster. Which right? is cool, You see yeah. Scarlett Johansson's face. It, it's sort of like there's this astral aspect to it. So he's the yeah. star's. And then there's these smoky blue and orange colors that are coming through her face. And it says under the skin huh. on the poster. And I was like, Jesus, what the hell is that? Mm. But then I noticed it was Jonathan Glazer. And I was like, fuck, that guy hasn't directed a movie in like seven or eight years. <laughs> this will be interesting. And so I was immediately in. But obviously, being in Quebec, this fucking movie did not come here to the movie theater. Oh, so I had to happens. wait for it. Yeah. And uh, so this was a movie that I was actually looking forward to seeing from, from the get go. But I had to wait until either the end of 2014 or the beginning of 2015. So it was a long period of time before I actually was able. I was actually able to get my hands on it to watch it. Uh, and so that's it. And so I loved this picture so much. I loved it the first time, if I remember correctly. I did watch it with my girlfriend, and I remember her saying to me, "Once was enough." Because <laughs> nice. I, I had to rewatch it for this. I wanted to do it, you know, this week. And so she said to me, was like, oh, I don't want to watch that this week. It's so creepy and weird. And <laughs> it's so you. And I was like, oh, well, cool. <laughs> well, if that, I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> and so, Somehow. <laughs> and so even the second time around, I am actually just like Carrie. I was a little bit more apprehensive. I was a little bit. I was going into it just because the images were still in my head. But because it plays with perception throughout the entire film, I, I was a little bit fucked up as to how I was going to react to specific sequences. You know, I didn't remember exactly how it was filmed. I remember specific sequences going like, okay, this is going to be this. But then I was like, Oh for fuck. I forgot that transition. That was awesome. Yeah. You right. know? I was a little bit confused going through it the second time, but it was just me bringing in the baggage I had for my first viewing and yeah, right. kind of realizing that I had, I don't know, maybe chosen to forget specific moments because they had affected me in a specific way the first time I watched it. Sure. Mm. And so that's it. So no, I'm I'm coming in with this with into this discussion with with nothing but positivity, like on maximum right now because I'm really really happy to be talking about the film. Great. So uh, well, I guess Carrie suggested just a little earlier that we could do a summary. Which is what we normally do. So thank you, Carrie, for being on the show and reminding us how how to fucking do do this. (laughs) So (laughs) uh, how about, do you want to do a summary, Carrie? Tell us what the movie's about.
2: All right, so we follow around Glasgow, an alien who appears in the form of Scarlett Johansson. It's a little unclear at the beginning of the movie exactly Uh, how that occurs it drops Mm -hmm. us into the action Uh, but we do know that Scarlett Johansson is an alien woman who is driving around in a van by herself around the streets of Glasgow Uh, there's a mysterious man on a motorcycle who seems to be hovering around her never too far away and she basically lures random single men um breeding age men into her van and then she takes them to a dilapidated old house and there's these bizarre scenes that are entirely in black where the floor is like black oil or black liquid and um she seduces them there's no actual sex though they get sucked into the floor And we are led to believe they die. And she just goes and gets more and more of these men until at some point she changes her mind about what she's doing. She tries to run away, uh, presumably away from the um, influence of the man on the motorcycle or men on motorcycles that hover around. Um, And she meets with an unfortunate end out in the woods.
1: Perfect. Yeah, it's a perfect rundown of the three-act structure. So yeah, I don't know. This This is a... very charged film, like we were talking about a little bit earlier. And it, you're like, okay, where where do we go from here? What is Glazer trying to say with this fucking
0: movie? Well, that's first uh, challenged the concept of whether she's an alien. <laughs>
1: okay. Good start. Let's go there.
0: Because <laughs> the way I, I read the film on initial viewing, and the way I wanted to tackle one of my readings of the film, was whether this was an alien, or an updating of the, the old demon, the succubus. Which uh, is maybe... One of those vague old religious y uh, monsters that people don't really know about in the modern age. Uh,
2: oh, so you're reading it maybe like more of a fantasy? that draws on fantasy quasi religious tropes rather than sci-fi
0: well yeah that's what i mean exactly you know like is it is it is it more to do with like demonology than it is to do with aliens you know is oh, is the science fiction nature of it just magic to be fair you swap them out they're like for like most of the time in film but there's i i because i do i i could see that this narratively the book that it's based on it's definitely an alien and what we see at the end the great thing about this film is that a lot of what we see isn't explained to us it's right yes. open for debate and and discussion but the thing about the succubus is that a lot of it a lot of the, the traits of the demon are kind of present in Scarlett Johansson's character I think she's called Laura really yeah, I I checked this out. She's she's credited as Laura. I can't remember if she ever says it to a dry uh, one of the people she picks up, but uh, I think she's called Laura. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so like the succubus is this is this old demon. It, it actually it's. Uh, it's kind of like quasi-Jewish in in origin, although it's like a folk demon. You know, it's one of those one of those creatures that has existed before time, you know, or at least before record. But it has its first real recorded existence in what is the Kabbalah. Okay, I I, I want to entirely offend people who actually have read or understand the Kabbalah. As far as I can understand it, it is one of the various texts of Judaism which focuses on. Uh, essentially a lot of ways of life of how to view and understand the, the, the constant changes and flux and flow of reality through a series of texts and interpretations. Okay. In Judaism, it's it's sort of debated whether or not it's it's canon, I guess is the, is the layman's term to, to put it, whether it specifically relates to the word of god or whether it's uh you know yeah it's considered
2: kind of a paratext right kind of mysticism as well yeah it's
0: exactly and a lot of people take it for its pure mysticism value and a lot of other people take it as just a metaphor for a lot of what was going on at the time (laughs) but uh yeah so in in the Kabbalah, there's there's an incredibly specific reason that uh the succubus exists and it's something to do with amulets that children wear and it relates to Lilith Adam's first wife Adam of the, of the Old Testament uh, who he he rejects for in, in, or she rejects him for refusing to be beneath him one way or the other there's the implication that they just couldn't get along because they wanted to be on equal footing or she wanted to be on <laughs> equal footing he wanted to possess her so I, I was reading the actual verses that this came from and I mean it is so fairly rooted in the crazy talk of the day <laughs> But Lilith promises to harm children every couple of days, uh, you know, but if you wear an amulet with with particular words on it, when Lilith sees it, she won't do anything, she'll leave them be. It's bonkers, like, it's really, like, it's so specifically about the issues of the time that it, it is almost imperceptible what the hell it could relate to today, so it's really, it's fascinating. I'm sure I'm sure reading the whole thing is great, but i I found it really entertaining that little segment on on Lilith's rebellion. So for most people, however, the succubus is is most likely seen as an explanation for wet dreams. It's like at the same time, this is a creature that steals the semen of men mostly when they sleep and uses it. Oh, wow. I had no idea. oh th- yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, she 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 has sex with sleeping men.
0: Yeah, huh. I, it's, it's her and a, and a host. Like, the demon itself became this am- amalgamous, like, general threat. It wasn't just Lilith after a while. Uh, there were a couple others in the Kabbalah itself, but Lilith was the progenitor succubus.
2: That works really well for this movie, then. I can see why you'd make that connection.
0: <laughs> yeah, So yeah, exactly. So it's a sexual demon. She steals the semen of men. Uh, and what she does with it, the original sort of folk understandings of the, of the creature is that she would impregnate girls with the seed and like what would happen is essentially those women would go on to give birth to children with either deformities or learning disabilities or essentially something that that it was it was a it was a way of explaining away essentially how men were never at fault because exactly there were a, if you had a wet dream, it was it was actually a demon. It wasn't just a demon. Your sexuality. Woman did it too. Yeah. And then B, <laughs> if you you or the the woman had like a child with that had a, some sort of issue or condition, it was a way of explaining away. Well, it can't be the semen of the man. It could definitely be the woman's egg. But it's either demon sperm or woman's egg. No
2: man seed. What? You know. If you go back far enough, they didn't even acknowledge uh, female uh, contribution to babies. You were just the vessel. So if the child was completely the result of the male deposit and there was something wrong with the child and you can see why they'd want to make some reason for why it's not their fault that the baby has a deformity or something. But that's really interesting because there's a person with a disability and a visible deformity in the movie. So it even kind of addresses that issue. Well, yeah, exactly. Like these elements
0: kind of exist, although maybe yeah. not like specifically related to this thing. But that's that's kind of what I mean. Like, essentially, this was a way of kind of looking at issues of, of that time and contextualizing it for the the, the very in charge patriarchy of the day, realistically, yeah, <laughs> which exactly, is a, yeah, a exactly. lot of what um, religion does. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, just to riff on that, I mean, there, there's there is a clear distinction in the film, right? The there is an inversion of the patriarchal system with her actually being at the top at the beginning of the movie and then after that, when in the end of the film, uh, well, you know, spoiler alert, during the quote unquote rape scene. Yeah, during the rape scene, it's not quote unquote there's a flat out fucking rape scene. Mm-hmm. Um and so yeah, the, it, it feels like you're onto something in, in the sense where it's the man seems to try to reclaim like his position at the higher in the hierarchy of the patriarchal system in the sense where there's that toppling of the female at the end of the film as well. Whereas she was actually at the top at the beginning, even when she captures the first guy, he actually yeah. sinks below and where she stays on top. Right? So she is that predator. She is that top of the, of the chain, if you will, absolutely throughout the first part of the movie. And it only takes that, that rapist at the end to actually turn her, but she is turned once before willingly when she meets the nice guy who takes her to visit the Citadel, where she's actually on her back when she's going to experience sex for the first time. Yeah. And then you can actually see that there's a reversal that actually a happens at that moment
0: in time and, as well. position. Well, I think that's,
2: right. a sig- that's a significant part, right? The later scenes when she's uh, when she engages in the, um, she attempts some kind of relationship with a nice guy and then she becomes vulnerable to the, the final guy who attacks her. Um, that's after that's the final scene, the final act of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the point after which she's kind of embraced the human vulnerability. So we're kind of skipping yeah. ahead here. Oh yeah, um, yeah, but I just wanted this...
1: to riff a little bit on what he was No,
0: saying. yeah, no, but you you're absolutely right. And but that's all that all ties really well into what I what I mean like why why would why would Glazer choose this demon? I wanted to understand or at least, you know, discuss a little why he might take this prosaic context of understanding female evilness to men, you know, that's sort of the the, the sneaky ways they, they, they ruin all those guys' good times. And uh...
2: Although that's pretty much all women in science fiction, if you pay attention. <laughs> that's that's actually yeah, what I right. wrote my uh, my master's thesis on was Seriously. images of monstrous women in science fiction. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, that's good. Well, I mean, this is definitely one of those. This is one of those examples. But uh, yeah, I mean, what I wanted to, to sort of discuss was a couple of ways that the the demon has changed in this interpretation, and why there might have been the changes you know what what has changed when we bring this old demon into into modern 21st century scotland of all places what 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 changes you know why why this why now that kind of thing so i wanted to look at, at three specific changes to sort of try and contextualize what used to define the succubus and what now defines the succubus in in under the skin so the first one is she no longer fucks for demon babies she fucks for information <laughs> cool all right well this is
2: the information age right so naturally yeah
0: yeah of course we're gonna we're gonna try to to work in the internet into every single thing that lives and (laughs) breathes. but uh the purpose or intention behind the demon has changed there's this imagery it's just to suggest that this was something that was a problem to men has now become something that is more general and more based on in an understanding of the human condition. Because now she she's using sex, she's still using sex, and she's still targeting men. But she's in one particular scene, we see the process of what happens to them after. Uh she she sort of seduces them. And once they sink into this tar, we've got this swimmer who has now bloated out and now sort of seems to be dissolving. And he pops like a balloon. And the imagery we see after that is he, he falls onto like a trough. Uh, or at least this is what like this is this is the the great thing about the 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 power of montage is that we uh, we piece these images together. They could be non sequitur if you want, but the idea is that we look at this trough as if it's related to what we have just seen, and we see this sort of red mass bubble yeah. down a trough into a like a small red cut in space, and then the liquid sort of pushes it down, and then we see through like flashes of red imagery what just looks like lasers and scanning yeah you know
2: that was really strange
0: yeah it's it's but it's so good because there's so many ways you could take that and i love my ambiguity uh, yeah So to me, that was, that was super fun because I always immediately read it as like, well, she's breaking them down to understand them because that's what we do with lasers, right? We, we, we kind of, we use it to transmit data. So here we are, we're breaking down a person into their, their vital components and we are trying to piece together information from what's left. So I, to me, that was an interesting change and I'll get into maybe what they might be trying to say about that, but we'll move on to point number two. She kills men for their sexual promiscuity, unless they're insecure.
1: <laughs> okay wow yes please continue
0: yeah so there's a willingness on the part of the man that she seduces she lets them get the interpretation in their heads that they can fuck her you know this is this is. she leads them but she never says you know hey come to my house she just drives them she picks them up and then they get the impression and then she takes them away. We never see her actually admit to wanting them in any way. It's always the man who follows. Yep. But here we see limits with the with a man with facial disfigurement. There's sympathy enters the equation, and the demon's purposes changes by the movie's end. Something triggers with her that she lets this man go, unlike all the others. And we see immediately a, a shift in our understanding of this person. Because sympathy was never a part of the equation. It was, you know, sequenced killing again and again up to that point. So that's, to me, that's interesting. I'll, again, I'll get maybe into it. I'll, I'll throw a couple of theories out as to what, what we might be saying with this inventory. Third point no longer banished by prayer. Now, this is something, uh, this relates to the old idea of succubus. To sort of combat a, like, uh, I don't know, like an infestation of succubi, uh, you know essentially you would pray you would pray and you would get the the town i don't know i assume rabbi (laughs) to to come in and pray for the house and for the men in the house that they they no longer are cursed by these these dreaded wet dream monsters <laughs> so but in this case in our in our current film prayer's gone but we still have fire and fire has always had a mildly religious connotation in that you know we've seen it with regards to the Salem witch trials or the the crusade you know it's it's a way it's a, a funeral pyre fire is relevant and as we see at the end of, of Under the Skin we have Scarlett Johansson's character essentially being set ablaze and, and killed by fire so we kind of we see that there is mysticism maybe you know tangential religious information there but god is no longer directly affiliated you know he no longer sees possesses domain over the succubus so what's our understandings theories guesses so i've got a couple one straight-up demons can no longer exist in our world. That's this is one of the our constant understandings of the film. We have no place for them anymore. Uh, so here we have a demon that preys on the sexuality of young men. What falls from it and then runs from it? There's no there's no black or white scenario to this character. She she actually gains information, and I, the turning point of that is the sympathy she feels for the disfigured man. Once she starts to feel sympathy, the demon, that prosaic idea of what is this sexual creature just fades away. There's still sex, but it's, it's, it's changed, you know, it's, it's no longer, she no longer pursues, she's no longer active in the sense that she actually targets anybody, she actually runs. So you could see it as, you know, a, a, an understanding that our world is too complex and already too cruel in too many respects to, to pin the blame on something as basic as monsters that target people for sex and, and causes issues, you know, we, we're, we've evolved in that sense that even the monsters that we used to have are now just different forms of creatures that, that will be affected by humanity. We're the monsters. <laughs> wow. Another one, religious nature has been removed or denounced as fanaticism in this in 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 this world a lot of especially our understanding of how to contextualize the world has fallen totally out of favor and where once god could banish demons upon request now only fire can something that's only vaguely in his name it seemed like a knowing removal of religion from the discussion and even the idea that we discuss this as a science fiction film that this you know on on a straightforward basis we see her immediately as alien already this is this is the science fiction that has superseded the religious and mystical side of reality that we've always we've held up to now we have we have a basis for understanding that now takes firmer grasp of our minds and there's something about the fact that she meets her end with a rapist something so grounded base human something so animalistic that such a such a product of man that uh it, it seems like god's place has been denounced in this world
2: yeah i like that reading a lot actually i think that's really interesting and it never uh,
1: occurred to me that this could be a demon
2: <laughs> Not once. But this, is great. but this is the modern science fiction version of the succubus. I really like that idea.
0: Yeah, I yeah. mean that's the thing. It's, it's contextualizing great. it for our understanding of the world that we live in now, which means it's science fiction. You know, it has to be. It's, it's science. It has to exist. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean, it makes so much sense what you're talking about. I mean, now that I see it, I'm like, well, fuck! How can it not be? I mean, there's so much nature imagery in there that has to do with mysticism, like you're talking about. I mean, there's the journey through the forest. They go up to a citadel, which is used to be one of those places of prayer. It it, it makes so much sense, you know. Even like if you look at the gathering, what they do when they go to the club, you have these mating rituals that are going on as well that you could possibly tie into it as well. So I mean, yeah, man, Absolutely. there's a lot That's of imagery brilliant. there that plays into it. So yeah, congrats, mm. I. Never fucking occurred to me that this could be a fucking (laughs) demon. I love it.
0: (laughs) But what's cool about all that and, and, and the sort of thing that kind of unites it all is still that sexuality is still the taboo. The one real holdover from the original image is that our relationship to it, while has changed in that we now have to perceive sympathy and 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 human understanding in the relationship it's still the defining feature of the succubus you know it's still an issue but uh, the recontextualization of it is that it 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 no longer relates to children it now relates to understanding you know sexuality is the taboo but it also now sexuality we see it as something that defines who we are we are now a more open more sexual society generally i mean in in comparison to, to the old days of The old succubus. (laughs) The good old days of the
1: succubus, Therley.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, back in the the old crack of 1300s.
2: I will say, though, I do think that um, I totally agree with what you're saying, but I do think that the movie is still a working through of male anxiety towards female sexuality. So when we see a very different version of that presented through this character, um, there is still this underlying anxiety of, of, uh, which comes from a male perspective, of dealing with the um, female sexuality, which is why there is a history of uh, sexual women being portrayed as monstrous within science fiction and certainly within religious texts as well, because um, good women are not sexual, right? And so uh, it's it's alluring but it's also terrifying to have a woman who's sexually aggressive and she is punished for it ultimately. So um, yeah. so I think that that's, just fits in society with what you're hasn't saying, changed. Though. That's that's exactly yes, some that's great point.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sexuality is still the taboo, which is you put it perfectly. She still gets punished. She still gets hunted down by a, a a violent sexually violent male
2: because she does not Act the way he wants her to in a yeah, sexual. Yeah, she's arena. just
0: a new witch. She's just yeah. another witch. Oh, Which witch. means yes. we've we've never come any further. You know, we're still we. Well, we have in some ways, but in some respects, sexuality is still so taboo. But to sort of to wrap it up, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up with some trivia. Do you know the actual origin of the word succubus? No. Nah, I'm gonna fuck up fuck up this word. Succubé, bear It translates to. To lie beneath. Oh wow. Isn't that fucking awesome?
2: Oh bonus (laughs) points to Lee. Bonus points
0: for sure, man. To lie beneath? Yeah, exactly.
1: We've got it there. That's fucking awesome. Because of
0: Lilith's position as the original succubus and her constant the parallel of Adam to lie beneath. I assume is where the phrase comes from. But um yeah, and then the fucking film being under the skin.
2: Oh so
1: awesome. Just actually Put that at the beginning of the film as well, right? The fact that she's actually trying to gain control over these men where they actually lie beneath her feet. Yeah. At one point when she's walking away, when they're they're dipped in that that liquid. That's ah, brilliant, man. Because, I mean, I love the fact that you actually focused on, on how the 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 narrative is is shaped according to old legend you know what i mean this makes it timeless mm. as a story which is fantastic yeah. for me because i I enjoy fairy tales quite a bit and i was trying to take that fairy tale approach to it and i was yeah, like you mm, saw you, you know, saw oh.
0: woods at the end and you went like oh yeah fairy tales <laughs>
1: well exactly i was like well there we go now but at the same time i tried to steer a little bit clearer from that because i've been riffing on the fairy tales for quite some time now but that's it i mean uh, I actually focused more on what Glazer was doing as a director <laughs> rather <laughs> than the actual story, how he separates the acts and, and all that. But anyway, man, that's fucking awesome. Do you have anything else to, to, to add to that? Carrie, do you want to do you want to pick up from there and see the-
2: Well, I think what what I wanted to talk about, about the um uh, the reversed rape kind of notion within that sexual context um really ties in with what Lee was talking about. I, I mean, think so. I, yeah. I also, however, took a literal science fiction reading of the movie that I just um, was willing to accept the notion that she was an alien. And that oh, the- me too. I'm with you on that. She, I that mean, her- she,
0: in the novel and in, in anything that you see in interviews, she is 100% referred to as an alien. So that is, is, it's not like you're being led astray. This is definitely science fiction.
2: (laughs) Well, the metaphorical reading, I think, is always really useful. So um, just because she's literally an alien, um, I think it's perfectly valid to suggest that she's also a reworking of the succubus. Um, So the way I read it uh, was that it was projecting kind of an imaginative space to imagine how um because i said it does respond to male anxiety towards female um aggressive sexuality it's a space to imagine how men would respond to um if the roles were reversed and they were the ones who were vulnerable to Mm. uh rape uh, and, of course, what comes with rape for women uh, some of the time is the danger of being killed along with it, right? And so, right. as I was mentioning to you guys earlier, um, you know, it doesn't really work to try to imagine. You, you can't reverse the roles simply and say, well, let's imagine this sexually aggressive woman that comes chasing after men and wants to rape them. <laughs> See how you no, like it. No, you're right. It doesn't work because women Yeah, it's not gen-
0: one-to-one. Like, you can't no. just flip the, the strengths and expect it to play out the same way.
2: No, it doesn't. Because women are just generally uh, physically weaker. And um, there isn't that long history of threat that brings with it this weight of fear that comes from the background. So, um, So this alien science fiction context gives the um the storyteller the director the kind of landscape in which they can imagine uh an aggressive threatening female rapist but she has all these resources of the aliens that make her a threat more than a human woman ever could Mm. be and she's drawing on um in this way it's a reverse where she is using weaknesses inherent to the male gender to her advantage and in this case those um inherent weaknesses are men's increased willingness to just go with a strange woman so yeah. mm-hmm. they have it just makes because they're, less...
0: they're not in fret you know
2: yeah they're less careful they don't
0: perceive themselves in fret
2: no they're just a little more careless and a little more willing and so she knows she can use that against them all she has to do is smile and wink a little bit mm. wear a cute v-neck sweater and most of them are pretty much willing to go with her, so she uses that the quality about their maleness against them as their weakness. They follow her into this dark and terrifying house that probably most women would not go into for a one night stand, and um, and then you know like, yeah,
0: never thought about that.
2: <laughs> Jason and I were arguing before about whether or not it was a reversed rape kind of notion, and he was saying, "Well, you know." the men know what they're getting it they follow her willingly right yeah but my point is not that it's a perfect reversal in this case it's true they think that they know what they're getting into but they don't like they did not um i'm saying like in the old rape terminology they weren't asking for it If it is death, like they did not uh, go into it knowing what they were actually getting themselves into. And so in that way, it's similar for a female rape situation, because somebody might say, oh, well, she went up to his apartment for a drink. Come on. What does she expect going to happen? But that's not the same as as consenting to sex. If she goes up for a drink and says, no, I don't want to have sex. And he forces himself on her anyway. You can't turn around and say, well, what did she expect? No, no still means no. These men went into the house to have sex, but they did not go in to be eaten. They didn't, you know, they <laughs> did is, not.
0: That's No, you're you're perfectly right. The fact yeah, is they, they were misled on, yes. on, on a presumption that they had uh, because this is something in society that, when a woman initiates it does seem like if you would immediately go like well this is what she wants this is this is okay by her i'm following her to her place and there's always that pretense the reversal then it's it's not even remotely about sex it's 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 uh, just about instant death for this guy and her getting information or some sort of general idea out of it no that that makes that is a that is a That's a clever, not one-to-one unwinding of the the rape idea.
2: So I read uh, an article by Ara Osterweil, um, which she wrote in Film Quarterly, uh, back when the movie came out, or shortly thereafter. And her take on it was that, um, and I agree with some parts and I disagree with others, she tried to make the argument that it was really about um, aggressive female sexuality, but in a more literal and human sense. Uh, she made the point, which I thought was very good, about how um, one, I mean, we've t- said before that this movie has very subtle ways of creating that science fiction defamiliarization. There's no mm. science fiction props, there really aren't. Um, Uh, special effects. There's clearly no alien creatures in rubber masks or anything like that. Uh, It's created um, through these understated and strange ways that Scarlett Johansson comports herself basically. Uh, and so, Oscar Wilde's point is that um, just the fact that the movie is portraying aggressive female cruising and that we are seeing through the female gaze as she is um, uh, predatorily looking over these men to see who she can pick up that Mm -hmm. that in itself is very defamiliarizing because it is so alien to us to see a woman on the cruise basically and i did Mm -hmm. think that was a really interesting point and certainly does work for defamiliarization however i really disagreed with this um writer that she she was basically arguing that the entire movie was about female liberation and aggressive sexuality and i disagree because i I don't think it is about female no. sexuality. The alien herself, she's looking for men, all right, but she's not looking to get it's off not about with sex. them. It is not yeah. about a sex, exactly. And if you don't mind me uh, digressing just a little bit into rape theory for a moment, this this is um, consequential because... The, the really old idea of rape was that men were not to blame. They were just physically constructed such that they either got laid enough or if they didn't, they were a hair trigger away from raping a woman. So if you walked in with <laughs> slutty clothes, it's your fault, bitch, because, you know, uh, men can't me. control hate themselves. hate this shit. Well, that's, <laughs> that's really old. I'm talking like uh, yeah, 150 yeah, can,
0: years can, and earlier. It's still era, about it, though. It never goes away. Off.
2: No, you're right. I mean, especially within fundamentalist religious circles, this kind of, it's called the hydraulic theory, by the way, if anyone cares. Uh, So this hydraulic theory of rape is still around, but for the most part, especially with uh, progressed countries, uh, it's really passé. Uh, But what replaced that afterward uh, was research done on convicted rapists in prison. And the results of those studies demonstrated, uh, and you'll recognize this theory too, uh, the idea that um, rape is not about sexual gratification, it's about a power struggle. So it might be compensating insecurities or some other upset, um, a psychological upset of some kind, and that uh, rape somehow makes you feel better about yourself, makes you feel powerful, and that it's really all about this domination. And so that is probably still true for some rapists out there, especially convicted ones in particular. However, um, more recent research has suggested that there's plenty of less violent rapists who really are motivated by sexual needs as well so Mm -hmm. I think it's a bit of a missed bag but in any case uh, to go back to my rape theory for this movie I think it is drawing on the idea that um, the rape is not about sexual gratification in particular but it's about um, taking advantage and getting something for yourself out of it and in the case of the alien whether she's eating them whether she's harvesting them for skins which is kind of alluded to or whether it's about gaining information distilling them down to their information which I think is a really interesting um, idea that is supported by that imagery in the movie then it really speaks to that second rape theory about it being all about domination and of course there's that middle point in the movie where she gains some empathy and so the whole situation changes but I would say that in that case uh, everything that follows when she lets the man go the deformed man she also relinquishes all of her alien resources the men on the bikes uh all of the extra powers that she had from the being van. an alien yeah. that made her invulnerable she hmm. runs away from those men she loses those extra resources and then she's basically just in a woman's body she only has the resources that a human woman has and boom all of a sudden the metaphor is gone and she just has all the vulnerabilities of a regular human woman and what happens she gets raped and killed (laughs) so that's so 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 true as much as there's this exploration of how what would it can we make a man feel vulnerable can we explore this space where men would be equally afraid of rape and death we have fun in that arena well fun i use in scare quotes in that arena thinking about that hypothetical situation but then, at the end of the day, we are still humans on the earth, and no, women are the ones that still take the blow. But
0: that's brilliant. That, that, again, fascinating as well. That I would say, I, my only, my one thing that I would, um, I, I, I query is that you say that this is something that the alienness of her gives her something that a woman, a human woman, couldn't have over a man, and I, I just, I kind of disagree with that. I, I think that women. They are known developmentally across the board to have a more emotional range. uh, And also that sort of leads to a better heightened understanding generally than most men. If if we look at the sort of stereotypes, uh, we can see that, you know, women have a more intellectual grasp of the world than the, the common man.
2: I don't know if I agree with that. But sure. But I don't. Um, <laughs> I don't know if those are the extra resources I'm talking about. Really, I just mean like the extra resources she gets as an alien, just in terms of strength. Yeah, She's but not that's what I mean. This, this is what I.
0: This is what I re understand as strength. What she really has on her side, more than actual like powers or anything. What she has is knowledge and understanding of how to lure men. And that's, yeah, that's really true. the only differentiation between her and the men is that she knows what she's doing and they don't. <laughs> uh, and she uses that to lure them. And that, I, I feel, is something that a human a human woman can absolutely do. Maybe not in so strong an image as when she lures them into black tar pits that they can't understand, you know. But I mean, to to lure a, a, a naive man into uh, like an apartment under the pretense of sex and it be a, a, a significant trap for a real human being i think yeah, that's, that's true. more than achievable by a human woman i don't feel that alienness is specific to how somebody achieves that i think it's it's something that is inherent in in, in anybody had they the knowledge to perceive it but i think if you wanted to see the sort of inverse of what equals a, a man's given strength if we're looking at sort of like stereotypes of how men are structured. If we're looking at the stereotype of the male strength, then we have to see the the female emotional or knowledgeable understanding. You know, that the hunter-gatherer dynamic where you've got the hunter, it's more physical, the gatherer is more you take care of the home life and, and the under, and the relationships with the with the settlement that you live in. That's that was the perceived female job. Then we see that we adapt that to the modern day, we're looking at how these stereotypes can be used to empower women in a way that is equal to men. It's just not on the same basic, you know, one-to-one level. You can't make an empowered woman seem believable in a physical sense, but you can do it in a mental <laughs> sense. And, and, and I think that ties in quite well with what you were saying. I, that's just the one thing I can't query. I think the alien makes it clear, the dynamic, but I, I don't think this is something that can't be achieved by a woman who knows how to use man.
1: Okay. And I mean, I want to take what you're talking about the modern day and I want to ask Carrie a question then. Do you think that the film is shaped in a way that is a commentary on what needs to change in present day society? It shouldn't take an alien figure in a sense to be a lesson learned where actually when she decides to embrace her femininity or that she gets punished for it in a sense, the fact that she tries to embody what it is to be a female human and that be a punishment. Do you think that Glazer, the director, in a sense, shaping the way that he has, having her be at the top and then at the end, where you're talking about in terms of rape, do you think that he's actually saying, sadly, when we walk back out into the world, this is the way it is?
2: Yeah, I do think so. Um, I think that it also points to the fact that... um sex is a precarious scenario like you make yourself vulnerable whether you're a man Mm -hmm. or a woman and there are dangers in the real world to men as well in sexual encounters although we think we tend to think less of that men also are raped as well although they tend to be raped by other men but I mean sex is a dangerous game I think that is kind of if you had to sum up this movie in five words, or four, whatever that is, I, I think that would pretty much be it, right? When I'm watching
1: this, you know, obviously I'm watching it through a man's eyes and how I feel at the end of the film is, is uh, there probably be a mixture of um, pity and shame. Mm. You know? And so I think that Glazer's message does work for me obviously if i'm looking at it from what you were talking about in terms of demons and stuff that's a little bit exciting and when i look at it from what carrie's pointing out you know through the 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 rape aspects of it i'm like fuck <laughs> i don't i don't like any of this and it's it's it makes it hard to accept uh just how vulnerable both men and women are in these circumstances
2: yeah it's kind of a bleak message really yeah, definitely. I it, it, I have it
0: written down in my book uh, of notes here, literally just here, bleak as shit. <laughs> 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 because that's just after going through a, a lot of under of reading terse readings of this film. I just went, "Fuck this film is devoid of joy."
2: <laughs> yeah, it's true. Actually, um, gosh, I I loved it anyway, which I'm not usually one of those people that. Loves depressing movies. Yeah, uh, but yeah, i have be the oh, same. Fuck, this is not depressing to me. <laughs> no, it's not, it's, is it? Yeah, it's but... not a depressing movie, even though like the the underlying message is not positive, and there's really she dies, and we're not really yeah, given right. any redeeming <laughs> image no, I, of humanity at all. I guess all. it's just,
0: even though it's about aliens and and sexuality and, and and constant threats, it's it's that sort of almost realistic understanding of how the world functions. That yeah. belies it all, like the mechanisms beneath it all that kind of just make you appreciate that the that the, the film cuts so close to the cloth when it comes to reality. And you know, and that you know even... where
2: that is the most acutely felt for me is when the deformed guy is in the van. I yeah. thought that was such a brilliantly acted scene because he's... Uh, I mean, I read an article about that actor. Well, it's the only thing he's acted in, in some magazine. Mm. And he was talking about the process because he's, he's naturally deformed. So his face has a lot of um, misshapenness to it that's hard to miss. And so you can tell that it's real when he's sitting in the van. And yeah. um, she starts with her usual routine. Hey, you from around here, you know, all that bullshit. And he responds in such a human way and it just grounds the realism of the movie for me right cuz he's like what are you ta- like you're not hitting on me come on
0: it's no it it it, it is it's definitely it's true like it it's, it feels the protectiveness of of a person in that scenario that's the way they would they would shield themselves yes. from the constant like you know the bullying that a person in that position can go through and definitely. Um, the, the, the difficulties of having something that is a physical condition can always can always come with that sort of stigma and so it's definitely it's great that that the constant tentativeness of that situation. He literally gets in the car and he pinches his own hand. He just can't believe it.
2: That's right.
0: Uh, and it's so it's 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 so tragic and it, but like adorable at the same time. It's one of my favorite images in the film. Actually, the uh, his freedom uh, in the field as he mm. kind of goes back to yeah. as he makes his way back to the house and he's skipping naked for this field. It's also one of the most tense scenes in the film. Because yeah. you just hear the, in the distance this whir of the motorcycle, yeah, and you go, oh no, 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 he's not supposed to be anywhere near this guy. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, because we've already seen this guy; he leaves babies to die on a beach. So I mean, it like this right. guy's <laughs> not going to have two fucking shits about the guy <laughs> that um, that got away, you know. So, uh, but there's uh, it's, it's, it's so it's, I don't know. There's something so like freeing about the way he kind of moves his hands over the, to try and balance himself as he walks through the field. It's very like,
2: that's right.
0: Like magical about it. So it, it's such a beautiful scene and it's really, really all the more tragic the way it ends. Uh, it's wonderful cinema.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's brilliant. I, I, it actually, all this comes in like the, the scene in the van It actually ties into what I want to talk about a little bit. What got me was the opening of the film and the opening of the film is, is essentially the construction of an eye. So it got me thinking that the film is going to be dealing with uh, perception. Okay. And so as I watched, I noticed that there was was a clear emphasis on the eye. And I started to piece together that Glazer was toying with the fundamentals of perception and how individuals process information when it's presented to them from a different angle that constitutes the norm. And so what I thought was kind of interesting about what he does is that he kind of puts us in a position where we have to evaluate a body with its relation to other bodies. Okay, now let me just kind of build on that a little bit. I think that the director is actually toying with what makes humans human. And when we normally think about it, we typically associate what is male and what is female to human or the human species. You know, if you look at someone, you can tell if that they're a boy or a girl. Okay, sure. Obviously, we're we're entering an age where these things, or the, the, the term human or the term male and the term female are going to be widely debated because they kind of harbor prisons that we've kind of, we have to kind of break free from now. We're yeah, gonna have yeah. To start the binary structures that we've set up ourselves are definitely
0: expanding. Yeah.
1: And so I think that in in the film, the alien has a, a human body, but it lacks other more defining traits that would characterize I'll say her. Usually I would have to say it because it's alien, but I'll say her because it's going to be less confusing for me. Yeah. You know, so it will characterize her as human. So for example, it would be the ability to discern how humans normally react in specific situations. So if we look at how she's accosted by the guy in the bar or being attacked by those hoods in when she's in the car, there's no panic on her face. No, I think that if you're, a woman or a man, even in that situation, you're going to show some sort of discomfort. You know, if you're accosted in a bar, you're like, get the fuck away from me. And if people start beating the shit out of your car, and funny, <laughs> you're not just going to drive away. You'll be like, you'll first react. She has no real reaction, you know, for the first time that actually happens to her. So I think that what Glazer is trying to get to in this case is that the audience is going to be forced to redefine what normal human behavior consists of. OK, now this is where the part of the van comes, you know, so our reactions to a man who deals with neurofibromatosis uh, every day of his life, you know, you know, the condition we're talking about, the non-cancerous cells that grow on this man's face, you know, just having him in the film in the car with our, our Laura or Scarlett Johansson or the alien, um, I think he's creating a dialogue of what is considered human by juxtaposing the individual that offers hospitality versus the rapist at the end as well. Okay. So we have that middle of the movie where they actually meet where you're like, she's not reacting to this guy. Like what we'll call a normal human being would react. Right. She has Mm. nothing on her face and it causes him to reassess who he is as an individual as well. He's like, is this like, that's why he pinches himself. Is this really happening to me? (laughs) You know, am I really what constitutes a man in her eyes? And then it causes her to be like, well, he's actually being nice to me compared to where the other ones are saying, I'm pretty and stuff like that. So he's not as easily duped, which is why we have her stripping to, to complete nakedness when he's she's actually driving him towards that yeah. uh, the, the, the the liquid pit again. But he's not the only one who actually turns around to see what the hell's going on, but he's a little bit more skeptical than the other guys. You know, I think maybe the innocence that he has versus the experience that she's trying to have actually play against one another throughout the entire film. And I think this is where the, 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 the reversal actually starts is that, that moment where she decides to let him go. You know, it's, it's not too long after when she sees her reflection in, in the, um, in the door window, where she's like, oh, this is what I look like. She actually sees herself for the first time. Now, the two scenes that I kind of thought were kind of cool that I wanted to pick apart that actually force the audience or the viewer to reassess what they consider to be human, so basically what we'd call our natural human inclinations toward help, okay? The scene where the alien watches the people drowning versus the rape scene in the forest at the end. Um, I mean, I'm talking basically how Glazer decides to film those two specific scenes. Now, if you look at how the beach scene is filmed, Glazer keeps the viewer at a distance. He uses master shots and he uses the aliens point of view. Okay. So he's associating us with the alien to begin with, but at the same time, he's causing us to reassess how we view the sequence. Okay. Hmm. So, but the rape scene itself is filmed uh up close we have tight shots close ups medium shots and we have a high angle looking down on the alien we have a low angle looking up at the rapist so it's invading and forcing the scene onto us as the rapist is forcing himself onto the alien right now being in this case and having those scenes as a viewer you have to overcome your sense of helplessness from two different perspectives Because at first you judge the alien for being cold and not helping, but you associate that with her not being human. But at the end, she still isn't human, but her struggle has become human. So your perception of the individual has changed by the end. And I thought it was kind of clever for him to kind of play on that where you're like, Oh, what the fuck? I want to help these people get in there. And she's just kind of watching it happen. And then she goes over and knocks the guy out with the rock. And you're like, what the fuck? The guy's already passed out on the beach. Why did you have to whack him on the head again? But then at the end, you still feel for that person. Mm. you know. So I don't know. What did you guys make of that? How he actually uses those those role reversals on us just by using specific camera shots and, and and how he decides to humanize, if you will, the alien and redefine what we consider human. Is it the struggle that makes us human? Or is it really what is what we perceive with our eyes.
0: I guess if you kind of look at the film in that sort of, uh, it, the kind of narrative where she starts out the aggressor and becomes a sort of, uh, uh, what, the aggressi?
2: The aggressed <laughs> the, upon.
0: The, the, yeah, the victim in that sense. The, the nature that the, the men sort of, again, they come from bottom and sort of over the overlap of the middle then go to top and you kind of look at that helixical kind of shape of the narrative. Not only is that a, a fantastic and exciting way to sort of frame a story, in which it literally bends and reverses upon itself at such a neat, like, point. But also that, I think a lot of what you were saying, Jason, about how that's sort of indicative of the human experience. If you kind of, if you if you zoom out and look at that, that twist, you notice that it's all on the same spectrum. Perspective-wise, somewhere in the middle, that is where sympathy lies, we kind of get a, a rough shape of, of human gray area. You know, we finally have a, a 3D image that we can place, that we can try to understand and comprehend what human beings look like on a spectrum. And it's something akin to a center point and a spiraling out of thing. And that's fun and interesting because when you look at the imagery, when the humans are dissolved, the final kind of shot is this, just this gl- glowing red light in, in darkness. Yeah. And you kind of get this, this idea of a singularity and if that's what, uh, when you break down human beings, is is it makes up the core and the center of them, you kind of get this narrative that, both framed in shape and in image, all represent this, this idea of what it is to be human, and just a spectrum of which you can pick uh, some of the more, uh, the extreme ends, and that both ends are extreme, they're both aggressive and sexual, and they work their way to a mutual kind of midpoint where they are at least understanding at, at a point and respectable and then move back away. Yeah, I think I like that's that. fascinating.
1: Yeah, I really like that a lot. And I think that what you said earlier as well, the sympathy lying in the middle, it's fitting that the middle of the film is actually the meeting of uh, the man and um, the alien in the car. You know, essentially when yeah, we look exactly. at them, we have a man who is alien to how humans see him, and we have a literal alien sitting next to him. And they can actually kind of meet in the middle in this case. I thought that was brilliant, you know, to shape no, the No, perfect.
0: I think that's really cool as well, because I had another reading for the film. And uh, it's one that actually does play off the structure of the film, the, the act structure. And what right. I wanted to look at was um, how Under the Skin looks to capture visually and narratively the experience of being a sexually mature woman in modern society. And it, it kind of does break down into the the acts and and how that experience can be reflected on and how girls who turn and who go through puberty in in our modern society are often at a loss due to, to, to a multitude of factors if we consider the educational system which often favors boys and that's why we have this uh, ingrained idea that you know boys are to associate you know sexuality as you know a pat on the back accomplishment but women as they grow up, it's 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 something that harbors a lot of shame. And as Carrie said earlier, you know the the idea of the good girl is the girl with no sexual promiscuity. Yeah. You know, well, because
2: that's... she has to be um available for a husband, right? She has to be yeah. worth something on the sexual market for husbands. And so, the only cultural value that a woman has until recently, anyways, has been her status as a virgin.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's of course ridiculous, but also pretty much the world we live in so uh so i when i was watching the film uh, i kind of looked at how this alien in the form of of a woman represented the early days of sexuality in a world that is almost just like ours right now where the typical education doesn't go far enough The relationship with um, peers trying to to feed you information of what sex is supposed to be uh, creates a sort of warped image of what the ideal sexual uh, relationship is supposed to be. A lot of it is... Trial and error and mistakes that uh, sort of build upon themselves into something that you know can be for a lot, for a lot of women uh, you know disparaging and and often uh, destructive when it comes to sex it, it, if they start off on the wrong foot and they don't possess the knowledge to to create a sexual relationship that that functions that that favors their you know their needs and their happiness and is often based on the role of pleasuring men it it kind of creates this warped expectation that doesn't really fit with the world that we want to have or live in you know so i i read it most of an essay and it was called from object to subject young women's experience of sexuality education within sex negative taboos it was by someone called Erin Noel Chapman from Iowa State University. And it was about, uh, she basically surveyed these, these girls who took a seminar or like a recurring class who uh, came from various sort of sexual experiences. And they mutually agreed upon a understanding of what would be the ideal sexual relationship for themselves. And it's much to do with knowledge of sex, understanding it and finding happiness in it with just uh, it's not even it's not even built on huge expectations of like constant pleasure from the experience just the fact that it, it is something that they own uh so she, she they did the survey where they, they they talked about um their their relationship with the taboos of both sexual awareness and the taboo of female sexuality desire and pleasure you know and and, and how they essentially tackled these subjects and a lot of it was just good to read because it would it kind of it gives it gave me a, a basis it's stuff i generally assumed about the the female experience was in there you know a lot of a lot more of it they focused on was uh, the key idea was knowledge and i found that interesting because that ties in with what i was saying about the information breakdown that that comes from you know seducing these men in in under the skin so if you're looking at that as the uh, attainment of knowledge of of sexual awareness there's something there that you're kind of looking at. Is this representative of how women today, as they develop, they start to understand sexuality? And so I, I kind of broke it into the acts. And I think I'll sort of go an act at a time and we'll kind of look at some of the imagery there. And then maybe if you want to chime in and say, like maybe images that jump out to you, other sort of parallel things that are going on in your minds, I, I think we could sort of piece it together, a little picture. So I think the first thing to note, is that there's a male pressure at all times? Yeah, that's And that's a good the point. stigma, that's the taboo of of the male ideal relationship to sexuality, where it's always expecting from the from the, the women to to essentially at least how education works today is the male expects the girl to to, to, to perform for them or do certain favors for them. In America, they sort of they talk about how like a blowjob doesn't count as sex. You know, it's it's baffling information, but this is the viewpoint of a lot of developing girls, uh, which is, you know, maddening.
2: (laughs) I was going to say it's a good point. Uh, There's a pressure on her to um, perform, but there's also a pressure to produce. So, right? yeah. in a normal sexual context, that would be producing an offspring. But in this alien context, she's producing whether it's like you say, whether she's harvesting information or food or skins for another purpose. Um, the pressure is on her to be out there doing all the work and um, and producing this, bringing right. something good point I back like out of it.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So, so okay, so here we have a girl who has to slip into the appearance of another woman, and, like, immediately you get this sense that this woman, this, this could be anyone, this is the idea of the persona that the, the female might have to create for herself to be this sexually independent person, even though she doesn't have the basis or knowledge, it's an image, you know? So she doesn't take it, it, what we see in, on camera. She doesn't take the, the, the skin of the person. She doesn't take the appearance, but she takes the clothes. So she essentially impersonates what it is to be the surface idea of what a woman is in modern society. And she then takes to the streets uh, immediately after that. And we see this idea of someone who... This this is her learning to be sexually understanding through replication. Everything is surface. Everything has to be gained by experience. So then, in the first act, we're looking at her string of lovers. And if we look at it in that sort of way, if we sort of take out the murder aspect, well, let's, let's not take that out, but let's recontextualize it for the, for the purpose of understanding this reading. She has a string of, of lovers, which shows her overcompensation. She immediately a- attempts to, to establish herself as someone who has sexual maturity, uh, independence, uh, someone who can pick whoever she chooses. She has to learn via the experience of sex, so here we see she goes out of her way to understand sex by, in this metaphor, taking the information from each lover, you know? From each one, she gains a, 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 something that she thinks is a better understanding of what sex is. This is the distillment through the trough, and, and, and that's her building a, a concept of the person who is sexually mature through the image of what she thinks is a sexually mature person going with people that she finds off the street that are already eager, willing nobodies. There's no actual conversation that that means anything it's all about just getting to sex uh and it's all about the, the context of pretext of a sexual relationship without any of the substance that actually defines a working relationship so immediately we have like sort of a wrong foot <laughs> uh and that I, I see that as the understanding of where the education and the lack of hands-on knowledge of of sexuality can affect a woman in in that sort of early stage of development
2: hmm. That's an interesting idea.
0: And that would sort of be, that would sort of be the, the first act kind of side of things.
1: Well, I, I like that. I don't want to chime in a little bit because it kind of ties into what I'm saying in terms of how I perceive the first act as extrospection. Yes. You know, extrospection is the observation of things outside one's own mind. So I found myself looking at the alien the same way you were, you know, and how she takes life, how she kills essentially. But I didn't see it as a, as a sexual ritual, the way that you're putting it. To me, it was more of them taking the bodies to understand the concept of human, which is essentially what I think the movie is about. You know, it's basically trying to define what being human actually is.
0: Yeah, and yeah, so, absolutely.
1: You know, the idea that it's more of a, of a, we're observing an observer, if you will.
0: Yeah, that's that, that, and that's that. That is perfect too. I mean, that's you know, you can see that as a human experience, and when I go more into a sexual experience, and you say human experience. It's all human. It is all yeah, experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. I think, um, so if we, if we went to the, the the sort of second act, when we kind of, we meet the, the, the man with the facial disfigurement, here her using, I, I saw that as her going too far. So she's already developed a, a confidence in herself, in her image, that each time she has more, uh, has a sexual encounter, she loses more and more clothing. And she also lets these people further and further into her house before admitting this sort of black tar pit she lets them in and in the case of the of the man with the facial disfigurement he gets to the you know he he goes up the stairs and you know we actually see what the house looks like beyond the front door so uh but here she oversteps her her strengths because now she's become hunting people who she recognizes did not want to have her unlike the other lovers and at this point she actually has to trick the man to, to take her with her, you know, she has to go out of her way to mislead him in order to gain his experience and sort of looks at how this 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 relation knocks her essentially for the persona, the confident persona she has, because now she has tried to get someone and she doesn't understand why the relationship doesn't work and it's nothing to do with the physical it's to do with the the context it's to do with the reason why they're there the the permission as such you know and and here we see that she's disoriented in her own system and self-worth and it's it's not just an experience that only you know only women can have you know it's absolutely something that men can can go through too but if you imagine yourself you're teaching yourself based on sex and and, and based on the uh, the image of someone else. When it goes too far and you find that you have lost your footing with the person that you're supposed to be, then it kind of shakes your entire foundations. And so, in an attempt to stabilize herself, she runs away from this life. And that sort of knocks us into the third act, but it's that, that's, that significant breaking down of where she is in the story and how she comprehends her own relationship to sexuality that she essentially now has to start again that kind of kicks off where the story has a has her arc going i,
1: I was again looking at it from a just slightly different perspective where it becomes a, a movement from extrospection that i was talking about in the first act to physical reflection in the second act where we get much closer to the alien where Gla- glazer uses close-up shots more frequently and we observe her i mean the audience perception shifts back to uh observing her as an individual not watching people and if you look at the opening shot of the second act it's actually a reflection in the rear view mirror of the alien observing uh from her white minivan sorry and it's really weird because we haven't had a shot like that of her yeah. at any point in the film So we actually have her there and she's disturbed by a tapping on the window and a man has brought her a rose. And I thought it was really interesting because she actually pricks herself with the rose and she actually (laughs) sees blood for the first time, which kind of, if you look at from a fantasy perspective, that is the loss of innocence that we're talking about. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And. After she sees the blood, I feel like something happens to her. She falls on the sidewalk after being inspected by the motorcycle guy. But then she has people help her for the first time. She witnesses help where she's picked up. I think that at that point, Glazer has really, really shifted the audience gaze towards the alien and her experience. And he's actually instructing us on how to observe, you know, showing us how much information we take in every second, especially compared to the white and black environment the aliens live in. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and I really think that this is where the discussion of what being human really takes
0: shape. You're you're entirely right. I I mean, like, and you said the sort of innocent factor kind of starts to to come in, and that's that's exactly where where my reading of this story goes again, because this is now a a girl who is is trying to recapture what it is to be sexual from scratch. She then pursues innocence uh, in the form of general basic romance. So not only, I mean, there's, there's some like maybe potentially hilarious imagery. I mean, she eats her cake and she froze up. So she tries to eat her cake and have it too. She wants a sexual relationship. And she, <laughs> she, uh, yeah. she, she ends up with like romance and a, and a crack and nothing. So, I mean, you could say it as that. And
1: just to chime in quickly, I think that it's actually kind of cool that you're pointing that out because it kind of subverts a little bit of how we're supposed to interact with people as well. You know, if we look at, Everything that she's been through, you know, she feels pain for the first time at this point. She touches someone and it feels cold. Yeah. Usually when you, you're not supposed to feel cold touch. This is not how humanity works. You know, you're supposed to have these warm feelings when you're talking about people. But she actually experiences what the the guy with neurofibromatosis has. His touch to humanity has always been cold. And so she's actually experiencing it. And I think that it's really cool that you captured on that, that she's trying to rebuild herself from innocence because after being hurt, That loss of innocence, in a sense, means that she actually has become... She's been treated in a cold manner.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, So, I mean... uh I think that that's the cake thing. If you take it that way, that's, I mean, you could, you could have that whole imagery, but I, I like the idea that it's sweet and it's as simple as sweetness gets. And then the relationship with the, with the kinder man, it it is, it's formed out of like sort of romantic notions. And you, you said about the rose. I mean, that's immediately just traditional romance, exciting locale that they take themselves to. A relationship that doesn't start as sexual, slowly matures in a, kind of sense she does willingly impart a kiss you know she sort of sits and allows a kiss to happen what does happen though develops from that is her inability to fully connect with sex plays in and when that male pressure comes back you know brings the world back in a kiss can't be a kiss it has to be sex you know that's the world we live in that's what the ultimate aims always pressurize her and even if you take that not as the the physical act but as uh, as a metaphorical act that she's going through this is this is sex once again pushing its pressure on her and now she is so shaken that she can't escape sex, that she questions her own material buildup, you know? She she doesn't even understand what she is. Yeah, I like that. You know, without that knowledge or preparation, she's not prepared to exist sexually. And so, again, she runs into the third act.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's great. I mean, because the third act for me was the the act of um, introspection. It's a series of firsts for her, right? You're talking about the cake. That's, that's an the third act she can't eat it the man whom uh who she meets takes her into a house she witnesses entertainment the first time she sees what laughter is joy she hears music for the first time she's actually tapping her finger on mm-hmm. the table like the man is actually dancing and she explores her body for the first time or rather the body that she she borrowed she didn't know she had a vagina
0: yeah exactly
2: <laughs> i w- I was just going to point out that um, apparently when she's tapping her finger on the table, she's tapping out of time to the music. Yes. And when she's sitting, yeah, when she's sitting watching the TV, um, it's a comedy program of some sort, but she's not able to get the jokes. So, <laughs> you're right that um, it's a series of firsts. She's kind of dipping her toe into. Uh, humanity and and going through the motions but there's still this distance there yeah. right she's right yeah she's definitely. not able to part yeah she's not able to fully participate it's still uh the human the human social realm is still an alien world for her which is why when she runs into the man in the woods little red riding hood knows not to talk to the wolf because <laughs> he's a uh he's a dangerous character but she doesn't she doesn't have our social context and so um uh she's not able to pick up on those danger cues right
0: amazing no that's that's perfect actually
1: yeah in this case we're we're talking about innocence and experience being very carefully intertwined where the audience may think that she has experience because she uses a hint of sex to lure men into her van and sample them if you will hmm. but she's also innocent because of her lack of experience in all other aspects of what consists being human
0: yeah mm-hmm.
2: actually Actually, I was going to say that for me, that was the that scene where she discovers she has a vagina was like so impactful because you think through the entire movie that she has some kind of sexual knowledge because she's very good at luring the men in. Yeah, absolutely. Using subtle sexual cues and all of this. So to get to the point at the end where uh, she's making out with a guy in the bed and I mean, for those who haven't seen it, it's pretty hilarious. she You can see what's happening that he tries to enter her and she gets this shocked look on her face like, what the fuck? <laughs> and she pushes him aside yeah. and grabs Grab the, the little reading light that's in the room and like is using it to explore, like to investigate what the hell is down there. Oh my God, there's a hole down there. And it's <laughs> hilarious because... Again, that's the alienating, it's reminding us how alien she is, right? That she doesn't even, for all the sexual experience she might have been able to evoke, she doesn't actually have any. She's more clueless than a child there. Absolutely. um, Yeah, it's just a really funny scene.
0: (laughs) It it, it is. I I was like terrified when it first happened. I was just like, oh my God, is she like... She like bleeding, you know, is she like actually like no, dissolving or know something? It was but there. no there's
1: that, yeah. <laughs> second time, time, time round,
0: it's just it is it is full, far more relaxed in how I, I was just afraid that this man was gonna hurt her at all and and then that it's sort of she pushes him away and then just kinda of comically looks down. It it I I relaxed the second time, just like, you know what, this is this is just a great scene.
1: <laughs> yeah. I thought it was great. The first time I the way I interpreted it is that the guy had already come and she was wondering what the hell it was yeah but now after watching it the second time i was like oh no she really didn't know that there was there you know that that she had a vagina and i was like oh you know it's actually kind of for some strange reason i think it's a cute moment it's a very it's a very sweet moment that that you know you can see her be like I don't know if she's kind of excited or perplexed. There's such a nice mixture of emotions. Totally ambiguous. It's kind of funny, but you're like, which way do I want to swing this one, you know?
0: Well, she then decides, though. She runs again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) She does. And that leads me to one last thing I want to say before you chime back in. Uh, The one fun thing that I thought, and I don't know if this was a conscious choice on the director's part, but it's something I picked up on and I wanted to just talk about it quickly. Uh, it's uh, the cabin door when she's actually traveling through the forest every other door that she walks in in the film is a door that you push open therefore she's leading everyone into wherever she's going Yeah, the cabin door is the only door in the film that actually opens towards the outside
2: Oh, Jason, I love the way you pick up on these kinds of details because (laughs) doors are so rich for symbolism, right? And I had totally not noticed this. And with this movie in particular, uh, the passage into dark places or into places of danger is so significant. And I love that. It's brilliant. Um, Perfect.
1: I think that this is the real cue of the reversal where she no longer is the hunter and she's become the prey. The fact oh, that the door opens right. in a very different manner.
0: Exactly. And, it, and it's sort of, it, after that sort of sexual encounter and she's sort of questioned herself, she now looks for solitude, you know, because yep. her relationship with sex is so distorted now that she literally just wants to find who she is and understand it from her own perspective. But she's starting so late. She, uh, she's, she's already had experience, but she can't sort of reset the playing field you know so she has to run away and try to find uh, a place to do it and that's when the sort of the male pressure is is seen to be inescapable that she's already got too much information she's already too aware the actual act of sex is totally tainted for and we see this sort of finally in its final sort of image in that she is physically raped she is by the simplicity of the fact that the world's pressures the male pressure and her education on sexuality don't exist she's essentially started a losing battle and by the time she reaches a point where she needs to ask questions it's already too late uh, th- th- this person then takes total advantage of her and it's just you it, it could be just a metaphor for the fact that it's a lost cause you know um i, I mean in that sense you're looking at this film as a sort of uh, a cautionary tale to be educated uh, about sexuality and that knowledge is is power when oh, it comes wow, to that like sort that. of understanding the motorcyclist even he like she dissolves into smoke and he's in fog, you know he's like, he could see peering into the mist, trying to find her you know he, she can't escape even when she's done, you know yeah, there's no way around it essentially you know like it's it, i i I find it super fascinating that it becomes this 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 warning that uh that starts with a character who ostensibly rapes you know. <gasps> And then becomes that, you know, rape can be birthed of a place that, you know, you just don't understand. But more interesting than that is just that it comes from a place of just lack of understanding that the rape isn't rape, but it's more exploration. These these men were willing, after all. And if we see it not as death, but as sexual asserting of understanding, we, we kind of try to paint a better picture of where the, the sort of teenage to sort of young adult experience d- developing sexuality for women is totally impacted by these these taboos. And there was one there was this cool thing that was in the article. It said, the socially constructed and perpetuated circumstances that surround girls and young women, the taboos of sexual awareness and female sexuality constrain their lives in subtle and profound ways. For example... The expectation of sexual naivete and the want for sexual knowledge ensnares young women within an absurd Catch-22. And I think this film is the perfect encapsulation of that Catch-22. That um, it's, it's the, the, the devolution into innocence to further sexual understanding is a constant repeating cycle to which, you know, we ultimately see the female at risk and at a p- potential, you know, a risk to her life. And just, I thought that's a fascinating use of imagery decided to sort of take that somewhere where it can mean something powerful to, to people who actually need that information. You know,
1: I think that's great. You need proper examples, you know, in order to be able to move forward. And I, I, it brings me to the last point that I want to make with regards to what you were talking about earlier and what Carrie mentioned as well is this lack of experience that she has, you know, she's using something she doesn't really have any control over. Right. And I think that if I want to bring it back quickly to what the human experience is, because people only see what's on the outside, our bodies become as much our own as everyone else's. And what I mean by that is that our bodies are in constant contact with the gazing eye. Mm -hmm. We're constantly being subjected to smell, touch, feeling. And the way I see it, our bodies are constantly being violated. Now, experience usually is supposed to come from willingly subjecting yourself to certain situations. But think of the amount of things that a person is subjected to on a daily basis without their consent. It could be running into someone without doing on purpose, smelling something you don't want to, accidentally having a gust of wind, you know, shove sand down your throat, you know? <laughs> I mean, just the weather. My, my point is what makes us who we are is based on how others react to certain situations. Definitely. And I think that, had the alien had the experience of what sex was that you're talking about, and the education that comes with it, then probably she would have had the proper examples of how to set forth, and possibly be quote unquote more human, if you will.
0: No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's it is that it's that loss of of experience that totally defines it. And I think you made a, a perfect analogy with with the wind. I, I think that even if you look at like how children experience things, you know, they they put it in their mouths. You know, and more often than not, it's going to be danger, it's going to be violation, it's going to be poison, it's going to be something negative. There are more do nots than there are do's. I think that's totally correct. Uh, That's why we have to build rules in society. But at the same time, we engineer a society where these rules often then need to change or to to reflect changing attitudes. I think we see a, a character here who is both inexperienced and in a society she's totally unprepared for and in a society that is totally unprepared to change for her and we see the end product then with her inevitable destruction. I think that's sort of that the human experience has even as a cautionary tale in general, there's just that potential for everything to go wrong out of negative and into negative that there again it kind of comes back to what you were saying about that that sort of central point where there's 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 sympathy and that sort of what i was saying about the helix nature we need to sort of devolve things down into a point where we we make a mutual understanding for as many people experiencing this as possible i think what you're saying is that the film on all ends perfectly summarizes that through its imagery
1: very cool carrie if, if you were to sum this up uh you know just just kind of walk us through you mean know, the final process what you think that a film like under the skin is trying to just communicate with us like at a at a base level how you how you see it
2: i think i've convinced myself that really this movie is about um a warning that sex is a dangerous game whether you're a woman or a man or if you struggle with um a lack of proper education as lee was alluding to i think that's a really good point that it's um it harbors unseen dangers uh for anybody uh if you're going into it um without totally understanding what's on the other side of the door there uh just we have a history of um sexual inequality uh and also we are just a violent species and so damn <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right so true <laughs> That's pretty much what I take away from this movie. I think it's um, beautifully evoked in the uh, cinematography and the silence, or This the very unusual oh, right. soundtrack. Yeah. You know, it's just oh, a yeah. very quiet, understated, not a lot of talking. As Jason said, I think it could have been a silent movie, which would have been a pretty amazing thing. Absolutely. Um, so it's very different in that way. Uh, but yeah, I, that's my takeaway.
1: And would you recommend it?
2: Oh, certainly. It's an awesome movie. Um, Mm -hmm. It's very unique in the science fiction canon, definitely. Uh, I loved it. I loved it every minute. Cool.
1: All right. Lee, final thoughts?
0: Uh, I'll just add. I think Carrie kind of summed it up perfectly from from what I would say. So uh, I would just go straight to my recommendation. Absolutely. Do give Under the Skin a try. I mean, even if you perceive it as something of a horror film, which was what I thought I was getting into, and it turns out it is a little more... There are elements, but it is something more uh, human, as we keep saying. There's the, there's the human understanding, which makes it something that you can read in so many ways. That makes it not alien, absurdly. You know, it's about an alien experiencing non-alien things. And that's what's fascinating about it. Uh, so, I mean, you don't need to, to see it in any one of these readings to enjoy the film. I think that you can just go into it totally blank and still just have a totally different take uh or, or be fascinated by certain elements and there's so much here so simple and so simply put that you could just walk away with an entirely like a warm even experience i like how uh leslie didn't want to see it again because it was <laughs> a dar and, and 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 a pretty miserable time and i think that that's true but i'm i, I also think that it was still worth seeing once uh, and i'm pretty sure she'd agree to that <laughs> so i i think that kind of oh, sums yeah, it yeah. up too i think the The experience is, it has to be seen at least once. If it's not your thing, you don't have to see it twice. (laughs) (laughs) Good point.
1: Uh, I have to recommend this too. Obviously, this is not a film for everyone. It's not something I'd recommend to my mother. Um, You know, but I mean, some people... Anybody who's interested in film in any way has to see this. Mm. It, It is a very... Not only is it shot immensely well, the narrative itself lends to so many different types of interpretation. I mean... I could have gone on for another while, but I, I didn't prepare enough material. And now I'm like, fuck now. <laughs> the conversation I had with Carrie and you is just bringing so much more. And I'm like, Ugh. but at the same time, I'm, I'm glad I have this one under my belt. I'm glad the analysis has gone through. I'm very, very happy for this. Maybe this is one of the first movies that I think maybe we should do in, in a year's time to see where we still sit with it. Definitely. You know, And probably flush all the material we have and try to gain something else from it. It's one of those movies that really lends to a different interpretation. I might actually want to take the fairy tale route with it because Carrie pointed to Red Riding Hood. And I was like, fuck, that's right. Definitely. I, definitely. I didn't see it. I wasn't there at all. It's, it's a big
2: well, one. And there's a beautiful. couple of other things too, right? Like she pricks her thumb on yeah, the, uh, the oh. on the rose. Uh well, and she looks into the mirror and that's, um, snow white
0: snow white yes of course
2: so just yeah just a couple of key uh little so uh, now, from... now
1: i'm like fuck i gotta do this in a year man and have a whole different interpretation
0: <laughs> yeah yeah a whole different <laughs> slew of information for under the skin cool
1: all right so let's close this out shall we let's do it all right Kerry, thank you so much for coming uh, uh we're gonna have you on again such a cool guest you fucking totally nailed it. One of my favorite people I don't Thanks see enough so of much. her because we're so busy, but at the same time, I, I, we need... She's been trying to invite me over for supper at her place for, what, what, three years now? Something like that. <laughs> and I, I mean, I just, you know, I don't know why we can't make it work. It just never happens. It fucking sucks. I invite her over for coffee and she's like, we'll have a coffee. We'll talk. We have so much shit to talk about. Then, you know, she's like, okay, I got to go move the car. We forgot to move the car.
2: I, I forgot my car. I'm going to have a ticket.
1: Uh, maybe not. Maybe you're lucky. But anyway, so tell us, <laughs> tell us, my dear Carrie Lynn, tell us where we can find you on the internet.
2: Yes. Uh, well, thank you so much for that. That's so kind of you. Uh, I really love being on this show and talking uh, about uh, anything. that I like analyzing stories. So this is so much fun. You guys are a great couple of guys to do that with. Yay. So I'll be happy to come back anytime. Great. Um, you can find me on Twitter at... Carrie Lynn Lamb, C-A-R-R-I-E-L-Y-N-N-L-A-N-D. That's pretty much where I am these days. I'm not, I don't really do Facebook and I don't do Instagram. Um, and I'm also going to be, um, beginning to work for the New Books Network podcast. Cool. Uh, and I'm going to be doing the, um, secularism channel. So New Books in Secularism. So, because, uh, atheism is my pet research hobby <laughs> so if you're interested in that as well you can definitely um, check out that channel which is going to be coming out soon and the new books network podcast uh, network is excellent if you're interested in scholarly books that's kind of the angle there so that's where you can find me
0: awesome Awesome.
1: I'm going to be sure to put everything that you said in the show notes I want to I want to hear your interviews as well it's going to be really cool to actually have you in my ears as I'm driving to work it's going to be <laughs> super cool right on
0: Lee, where can we find you, sir? Yep, yep. Uh you can find my reviews at bigpicturereviews.co.uk, where I do sort of modern cinema reviews, uh trying to break it down, all the structure kind of stuff. Uh also you can get me on Twitter at BigPickReviews, and you can see me. I've started doing Instagram on the Atlantic SC podcast Instagram. Uh so you'll see a couple of videos here and there of me going to see films and just being like before and afters and just general stuff that kind of keeps oh, us cool. fills in the in-betweens of what happens for us between these shows because they come out the big ones come out two weeks you know got a lot of things to do uh yeah but that's that's me um f- Oh, I did a, I did a poll recently asking if it was cool for me to say hi to strangers uh, and ask their opinions at the cinema, and I, it was a huge response on Twitter, 60% yep. of people said it was totally cool, and lots of other people gave me their opinions as to how, how best to do it, it something that I was always curious about, but I like those odds, 3 out of 5 times somebody's gonna to be totally thrilled for you to approach them and talk to them about the film you just saw. Super cool. That's a great idea. Yeah I needed to kind of know that because I hate the concept of it but I know it's necessary so <laughs> I'm super looking forward to taking that advice and I, I thanked everybody who took part in Twitter. It was a huge, got up to something like 50, 60-odd votes, and it was really, really great to see people interacting that way. So, thanks again, everybody who came aboard, and uh, as always, thanks for listening to this show.
1: Excellent. And My name is Jason Michael. You can find me at Atlantic SC on Twitter. That's the new handle, obviously. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's it. Uh, we're gonna be keep uh, fo- go give us a follow on Instagram. Like Lee said, it's kind of fun. We've been trying to post things there. I've, uh, I was editing the new Atlantic SC next, and so uh, yeah, I, I keep posting things there. I have my also my other Instagram, so you can find me if you want to find me there. Um, what else? Oh, we're on Google Play now, uh, guys. So if that's ever right. you guys have an Android device and you guys are looking for ways to find us, you can find us on Google Play soundcloud itunes overcast you can find us on stitcher radio now as well Mm -hmm. and uh, i think people have been looking for us on podcast addict so have at it go there Uh, come interact with us i want to give shout outs to obviously david hart uh, mike from war machine versus warhorse sheila hello big shout out (laughs) to you as well and i've been talking to a woman called sarah bent uh you can follow her at Ask for I was asked for Sebs. That's her Twitter handle at Ask for Sebs. She's super sweet. I've been having a great time with her on Twitter. And also, please give Colin Llewellyn a, uh, a follow. He's from the Another Film uh, podcast, and I've been having a great time with him those guys are as well. great. So big shout-out to those guys. Yeah, they're great, man. Having a great time with them. And I want to say hello to Dwight Hurst as well from The Broken Brain. I've been having a great time with him as well. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. That's it for us this week. Thank you for following the Atlantic Screen Connection podcast, and thanks again to Carrie for showing up talking with us, and we're going to have her on again for Alien Covenant, and it's going to be fucking awesome. Yay! That's it for us this week. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: Bye.